0: I'm Melanie Sayward and you are tuning in to The Pink Elephant. Hi and welcome to the second episode of The Pink Elephant. So glad that you're jumping in with us again. In the last episode, I began to describe The Pink Elephant, the one issue that I think is staring us in the face but nobody seems to be talking about in the Christian world, which basically is this. Despite everything we have, the Christian resources, the religious freedoms, and the high degree of theological knowledge, it can feel like there is something missing in our faith experience. And why exactly do I think this is the biggest pink elephant in the room? Because our experience of faith impacts how we live it out, if indeed we live it out at all, and the degree of difference we make in the broader world. You know, I used to ask this question of my small group. If salvation is about where we go when we die, why don't we simply go to heaven once we receive Christ? I mean, think about it. There's like way more risk to us staying here on earth. We're constantly attacked by the enemy with the intention of losing our faith. Wouldn't it be better for us to just go straight to heaven? We are ultimately made for a relationship with God, right? So what's the big deal? Well, the answer I can think of that makes sense is that there are many things we are still meant to do on this planet. Sharing Jesus and bringing the kingdom culture to earth are the two biggest reasons we are here. So if the quality of our faith determines what we do and whether our actions have an eternal value, then it's really important for us to understand what is missing and to do something about it. So what exactly is causing us to feel like something is missing? That's what I hope to explore with you in this episode. But before we get there, I just want to get a little bit deeper on this statement that we've been referring to. What are we really trying to say when we say something is missing? Or is this it? there is an underlying sentiment in these statements. The statement actually reveals so much about us and the nature of what is in our hearts. Firstly, it says that we have a desire that is currently unmet. That's right, there is something we want and there is a gap between what we want and what we have. Okay, But what is that desire? Because do we even know if it's a realistic one or even if it is a righteous desire? Maybe there's a good reason why it has been unmet. So what I have discovered and discerned about this statement in all my prayer and searching is that it reveals our desire for meaning, when we make this statement and apply it to any aspect of our Christian faith, we're essentially saying, I thought this would be more meaningful. To desire meaning is to say, I want this to be more significant than it is. I want my faith to have more influence and more richness in how it impacts my daily life. Unfortunately, to say something is missing also implies that our faith experience and the meaningfulness of that experience is not satisfying the deep longings of our soul. Wow. Now that is a huge problem because Jesus is meant to fill our needs. According to scripture, Jesus wants to fill our needs. He says, Come all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. He tells the woman at the well, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Our experience conflicts with everything Jesus told us a relationship with him would be like. Sadly, some conclude then that Jesus and the Christian faith mustn't be all it's hyped up to be. You know, when I was doing research for my latest book, which is basically all about disillusionment, there were just a few books out on the market that were about this specific topic. So naturally, I figured I need to read these books, right? This particular book I picked up was all about how intelligent people often struggle with disillusionment. And I was really, really eager to find out like how exactly this author was going to address and advise these young intellectual idealists. And, you know, this wasn't a religious text at all, but about two chapters in, the author starts talking about how he grew up in a Christian family and that he himself became disillusioned with faith as a young adult when he went to college and realised that there were many other beliefs that conflicted with Christian ideals. He eventually decided that Christianity was false and that people who believed in it were just naive. But with all his enlightenment, he had still continued to face much disillusionment and discarding his faith didn't necessarily resolve his questions. There were still so many signs from what I could see that something was still missing for him. You know, we have a whole generation of young people that basically think it's safer to be suspicious of everything, to believe in nothing and have no opinions because they've been so easily disillusioned by all of the various outlets of information that are at their hands and at their fingertips. But when Jesus called himself the bread of life or the living water, he wasn't talking about ideologies. He was talking about filling our soul and those deep inner parts of our being. And yet even believers still seem to have a hunger problem. Imagine I haven't eaten anything for several weeks. I'm so hungry. My body is showing every sign of starvation and hunger. But instead of eating, I begin researching online alternatives to consuming foods. I decide to try this one really well-thought-out idea. Okay, so I decide to rub food on my skin, allow it to penetrate into my body, into my pores, and then into my bloodstream. I've processed tomatoes, vegetables, every kind of healthy organic food you could come up with. I've bathed in it for maximum effect. It's heated up a little bit, like not too hot, but I've done it for two hours. Am I still going to be hungry? Of course I am. Okay, next one. How about this? Maybe I decide that eating isn't the problem. I just don't have enough direction in my life. I'm, I'm going to go see a life coach and start to work out where I am heading. I meet with the life coach. We work out a plan. I'm feeling great about it all. Fast forward several weeks later, I've started a business, I'm making money. Will I still be hungry? You bet I am because nothing can satisfy hunger besides food. Nothing can resolve the need in our life beside Jesus. We misdiagnose our hunger needs all the time, just like in the examples I've given you above. We typically assume that we either have the wrong ideas or we aren't doing enough. But that's not the real problem. We aren't wrong to want meaning. There is another major issue at play that robs you and I of any opportunity to feel that kind of enrichment in our faith, and I'm gonna tell you all about it. Okay. So just before Christmas, my husband was in the garden trying to pretty it up for Christmas day. And he had this majorly successful day. He was super exhausted. He was lying down. He was just, you know, all sweaty. And yeah, I was kind of feeling sorry for the guy. I I realized that he had like pretty much done everything except for this one section of weeds that were just around the pool that he obviously didn't get to. So trying to be a supportive wife, I asked him if he was going to use weed killer for that section because I'm thinking, you know, like use some weed killer, make it easy on yourself, right? And he was like, no, I'm, I'm just going to pull it out. And I'm thinking, boy, come on, work smarter, not harder. Give yourself a break. So I say, um, wouldn't it be easier just to spray it though? And this was his response. But weeds aren't hard to pull out because they don't go deep. Weeds aren't hard to pull out because they don't go deep. Yes, Josh, you are right. Weeds are not deep. The analogy of the roots of a plant and the depth of those roots pops up in Scripture a lot. In Colossians 2 verse 7, it says, "'Let your roots grow down into him, then your faith will be strong.'" Proverbs 12 verse 3 says, "'Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots.'" In Ephesians 3, verse 17, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. All of these scriptures imply that the strength of our faith is directly related to the depth of our faith. Okay, awesome ideas, Mel. So good, but make it explicit for me. What does this have to do with my experience of faith? I believe that we are often missing out on the delights of faith, those soul-nourishing delights, because we aren't going deep enough. Let me show you with a very quick demonstration. Would you really do anything for God? Most of us want to say yes, but we know we aren't quite there yet. Okay, all right. So, but would you do stuff for God? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm doing stuff for God. You're doing stuff for God. Okay. But would you do something for God that had no gain for you? Hmm. It's a good question. See, the truth is that many of us do stuff for God that we don't gain anything from. But most of us aren't even aware of how much even those things we do for God are motivated by personal gain. So how deep must our faith in God and our love for God be if there are so many conditions we've applied to it? You know, probably the best example of the depth of our faith is the modern Christian's approach to worship. I don't deny that singing songs of worship and praise does much for our own mindset. It keeps you focused on God. It encourages your soul. Sometimes in the hardest times of my life, I've put worship music on and it's really helped me. I, I I see that. We often experience the presence of God in those moments as well. We sense that He's near. And pastors and leaders know that. They're all aware of this. That is why they often have worship at the start and the end of a service, because they want a certain kind of atmosphere that will put you in the best possible place to hear and respond to the word. But The focal point of worship is God. He is the point of the worship. We are worshipping him. It actually fails to be worship if it's predominantly about us. It is where we glorify and comprehend him, shower our thanks and adoration on him for who he is and all he has done. It's the equivalent to that moment when you're looking at your kid or or your spouse and it suddenly dawns on you how much you love them and you just feel overwhelmed and want to shower them with every good thing. That's worship only directed toward God. Now, The natural byproduct of loving Him like this is that you're going to feel great. You're going to experience Him. But that's not the purpose. Now, I presume everyone's on the same page as me until I walk out of a service and I hear someone make a comment like, I just couldn't get into the worship today. Something was wrong. Or I don't really love the worship at that church. Or man, the worship was good today. I love it when such and such leads. See, these kinds of statements tell me that the worship or at least the person who was worshipping thought it was going to do something for them. It's not for you. It's not a performance for you. It's for God. I'm glad that we also receive and, boy, do we receive, but we aren't supposed to give to receive. So hopefully you get what I'm trying to say, right, The real missing piece today is depth. Our roots don't go deep enough. And I've really only skimmed on the surface of this one issue. Our love for God is not as pure as we think and it affects what we experience. Obviously, this is a huge concept and I'm going to continue to unpack it in the next few episodes. But just one more thing before I sign this episode off because I've given you plenty to think about. The reason we crave meaning is because we were made for depth. We crave substance because it is a part of our design. We are highly meaningful creations. It is often this path that leads us to find God in the first place. We sense there's an emptiness in our heart and we want it to be filled, so we accept him. But the truths that we know ideologically Were meant to go deeper they weren't meant to be these surface level intellectual nuggets that we extend during some theological debate to look smart it isn't supposed to be these concepts that we we attest to that we put our hand up and say yeah that's what we believe it's supposed to fully permeate our being because what is the point of faith if it fails to produce a transformed meaningful life It is in the living that our faith ideals are proven and its innate value is shown. If you feel like there is something missing, it may be time to go deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pink Elephant. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my resources on my website, meljsayward.com.